Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) Just to confirm. Confirm. We have hand sanitized and washed our hands, but we're also not participating in panic toilet paper buying. Right. Don't do that, guys. Although I've really gotten my hand washing down, I will say, because like, did you see that meme floating around that's like, wash your hands like you just cut jalapenos and you want to take your contacts out? As somebody who has taken their contacts out after what, <laughs> cutting jalapenos. Never again. I thought that was kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've been washing my hands and singing part of Lizzo Truth Hurts to myself in, oh, in nice. my head. Okay. So. Could you do a little bit? Oh, you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> I know you don't sing in public because you have perfect pitch, and I just don't sing in public because no one needs to hear that. Oh, okay. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Um, so... There was no mini-sode last week because my child was crazy and (laughs) it just didn't happen. Um, So we're going to just pick up from our last episode, which was the first part of our series, How to Launch a Business Without Losing Your Goddamn Mind, right? Right. And last time we talked about your values, your mission questions to ask yourself, and how to start market research. Yes. Every I'm I'm sure that everyone immediately went and started doing their market research because it's so exciting. Right? Everybody did it. They did that self-evaluation. They got in there and started looking at data. And they did it. Yep. Extra points <laughs> if you actually did. Yeah, if you did. Yay. I think that's actually a pretty good pace since we're releasing these episodes every other week. It that's gives you time. Of fucking time to get your shit done. So much time to get your shit done. Come so on. take these as mini homework assignments. And yeah. then by the time we finish the series, you will have all of these things done. It's, yeah, and you won't have lost your goddamn mind. Hello. Done and done. Check and check. <laughs> Um, so in today's episode, we are going to dive into writing a business plan, which I think will take up a lot of our time, but we're going to talk about like what the steps and the info should be for your business plan. And then we're also going to go over your elevator pitch, which we kind of touched on last episode. And then if we have time to get to it, um, intellectual property, because that's a fancy word. I think that scares people. Yes. But it doesn't need to. IP... Not like I go to the bathroom IP. Or an IP address. That's what I thought, but your <laughs> your mind went somewhere totally else. <laughs> Welcome to my weird world, everyone. <laughs> so 
it's this is actually good timing because so we are launching a new business and I'm very excited about oh. it. My husband and I are opening a barbershop. Oh, that is so exciting. Yeah, we just signed the lease um yesterday. So Fuck yeah. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be open the end of summer and um it's going to be in the downtown La Mesa Village, which I don't know if you're familiar with that at I'm all. I'm not, but I will be. It's I know I don't personally need a barber, but I will still be coming to check it out. Well, it's going to be a cool place because it's going to be kind of like um, James Coffee Co. Oh, yeah. Even over there where it's yep. like a huge building. And then there's going to be different businesses in it. So there's going to be like a Japanese tapas place, a French bakery, a florist, our barber shop, and a beer tasting garden. Oh, that's rad. So it's basically like the number one place you want to hang out. Yeah. It's like the cool kids collected. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're really excited about that. So last night we were working on our business plan. Nice. <laughs> and my husband just looks at me with this glazed look in his face, on his face, in his yeah. face, in his um, eyes, on his face. Yep. And I think it's kind of the first time that he's ever realized I actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Step back. <laughs> He's just like, oh, okay, oh yeah, you. I don't know what that means, but okay. I'm like, well, see, motherfucker, that's what I told you. I told you I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's happy that you're doing. You're not doing his homework for him. I mean, I kind of am, oh, okay. but yeah. yeah. But it is, you know, it's our shop that we're doing together. There you go. He's the he's the, the talent, barber. and you're yes. the there you go. There you go. It's a good match. Um, so. We're excited, and I get nerdy and excited about working on a business plan, (laughs) so this is good timing. So let's just kind of go over the stuff that you want to have in your business plan, and I want to preface it by saying there's no set formula for a business plan. Everybody's is going to be a little different, you know, based on what your end goal is or what your market is going to be, but you want to have some of these consistent things in each one and Mm -hmm. we're going to go over what those are but I've seen business plans of all shapes and sizes in different orders and different you know all kinds of different shit yeah and if it's when you're sitting down to write your business plan especially if it's just essentially for your eyes only you should write Mm -hmm. it in a way that makes sense for your brain totally things are different if you are trying to bring on partners or pitch for investment then yes. you need to write things a little bit more generically. But yes, don't be overwhelmed by what it needs to look like, how long it needs to be, or how it needs to flow. Yeah. I think a lot of people like Google how to write a business plan and all of these Forbes and Inc. articles scare the shit out of them. <laughs> yes. I, at one point in my life, definitely <laughs> did that. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you want to write the business plan in your own voice. There, You know, you don't have to be stuffy. You're a creative person. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming. <laughs> and, you know, the person that you're presenting this business to will already know that. So, I would just make sure you stay true to your own unique voice and style and make sure that you just show them why you're here. Also, and why you're going to make money. Well, yeah, that is that is important. But um, I also recommend doing this kind of over a period of time. Like we said, you have two weeks, you know, so you can schedule time to tackle different parts of the business plan. Um, if you're feeling ambitious, doing multiple parts at one time, or, you know, there might be a day where you're just like, I cannot get my brain to fucking do this right now. So just map it out. Do it at your own pace. Don't force yourself because then you're going to hate the process and probably not really love the result. Correct. 
Self-inflicted deadlines. I talk about those a lot. (laughs) Self-inflicted deadlines, pressure. Yeah. You know, it's self-inflicted. So Are you pro or anti self-inflicted deadlines? I impose deadlines on myself, Mm -hmm. but if shit hits the fan, I know that I'm the person that put that deadline on the calendar so I can move it. Yeah. I'm the same way. But even still, I'm, I get like, oh, I got to check that off today. That's on my Asana list. I'm like, Sam, you put it on your Asana list. <laughs> um, okay, so let's start with the beginning. The first thing, and we can kind of go back and forth because I think you and I have different maps. So if I miss anything, you can I'll fill it in. in. Yeah. Um, having the first thing that I always encourage people to put on a business plan is your executive summary. It's just an easy one-page overview of your business. So it'll include like the background of your business and your mission, your vision, all those things we talked about in last week's episode. You already know what they are because you did your homework from the last episode. (laughs) And, you know, if you have a tagline or a message, you can throw that in there too. But you want to keep it short and to the point. The rest of the business plan will will get into kind of the nitty-gritty details. Is it like an abstract in a research paper? (laughs) I guess. Like the part that I always read to try to get the the high level gist of what the research actually said without reading through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, It would be kind of like if you were going to pitch your business to somebody and they have to read through this one page to see if they even care about the details, essentially. But we care about the details. Yes, we care a lot about the details. (laughs) Um, Your target customer and your ideal clients mapping this out. We're going to go over this later in this series too, but I actually have a lot of fun mapping this kind of stuff out and you'll want to include it, you know, in your, your business plan, who your business is targeting, who your ideal clients are, their personalities, what they like, what they do, how much money they make, how much are they going to spend? You know, demographics are a girl's best friend. Yeah. That addressable market. Fuck yeah, that addressable market. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the hand gestures that yes, get thrown that down. Was, that was gangster of you. Addressable market. Very, very gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> and then you want to go, the next section I would go into is market analysis, which you'll want to describe the current state of the industry, which means you're going to have to do some research to kind of discover those key indicators. Um you know, like the size of your industry, any notable trends and projected growth. You are a marketing genius. No what? pressure. Mm-hmm. The lead in like that. Well, we talked last week about market research. Mm-hmm. So how do, would you kind of tie market research into the market analysis portion of a business plan? Putting you on the spot. Putting me on the spot. Would I tie it in? I mean, it is tied in because when you know... Who you're talking to, how much they can spend, and what other people in the market might be doing, mm-hmm. then to me that helps you set the the foundation of the strategy of how you're actually going to go and try to take some of that market share. Sure. Or just your piece of the pie. Your piece of the pie. I like that. The next part that I always include too is then competitive analysis, which I think a lot of people get confused with market analysis and competitive analysis. Do you, can you explain what it, the difference? Yes. So when you're looking at the market, you are looking at it as a whole, mm-hmm. right? Like you are wanting to understand all the moving parts, all the players, how big it is, that kind of stuff. When you're doing competitive analysis, you are looking specifically at the person you are directly competing with. Right. Um, and 
from a marketing perspective, that, and we won't dive into this just yet, but that to me is very much tied to your SEO Mm. strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that we were dealing with when trying to come up with a name for the barbershop because there are a lot of fucking barbershops out there. And, um, you know, having to explain to my husband who maybe Google something once a month (laughs) (laughs) about, well, our name needs to be, you know, X, Y, and Z because we need to have that SEO. It needs to not pop up with other things. We need to be, yeah. So part of that competitive analysis is making sure that your shit's going to get seen, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And also I think it's always interesting to, when you're going through and looking at your competition, really... I mean, I'm not, like, a secret shopper type person. So many people are, though. Yeah. So, if you are, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just personally don't, because I don't like it when people do it to me. Right. Um, but if you're comfortable with it, then do some light secret shopping mm-hmm. to see what your competitor's customer experience is like and what you can find about them on the internet Because then you can use that to formulate different parts of your entire business plan based on what you see the gaps being on your competitive side. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really great way to put it, you know, and you want to kind of look and see what, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Like what's their business structure? How are they doing it? What's, and you know, what's your competitive advantage over them and what makes your idea better or different than theirs? A thing about secret shopping that everybody should know is that if you're going to do it, be prepared for them to know (laughs) because I can't tell you how many friends I have who even like last night, my friend was texting me about this saying, oh my gosh, so-and-so who's like a direct competitor to her brand is on my newsletter list. I can see how many times they're clicking my emails and opening and clicking the links like, and it's a lot. So yeah, you can be a secret shopper, but Come on, everybody fucking knows that you're doing it, so... Don't be obnoxious about it. Don't be obnoxious. Don't rip them off and then be like, what? It was my idea when there's receipts. (laughs) (laughs) A paper trail? Mm Mm-hmm. So, just something to keep in mind when you're secret shopping is that people do pay attention to that. Yeah, they do. I mean, I for sure do. It's always so interesting when um, new competitors who are entering the market follow us on I'm talking mm-hmm. about source Co mm-hmm. like new stock photography companies will follow us and then very actively engage with us which is so funny I my mind is always and will forever be massively <laughs> confused by that yeah because I don't understand what their goal is right like are they just trying to kind of peacock a little bit mm-hmm. which I'm fine if they are because I know my shit is better than theirs. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so don't, don't like we said, don't be obnoxious about it. Yeah. Don't be, like, peacocking and um, go, like, almost going out of your way to let someone know that you're entering the market. Yes. And, you know, I, there's room at the table for everybody is one of my favorite things to say. So we're not saying, like, oh, well, don't go start a business that somebody else is doing and then stalk them to see how they're doing it. Like, there's room for everyone. Just don't copy anyone else's shit. And if you're going to go and secret shop or engage on their on their social media networks, like, it needs to come from a good place. Yeah. Um, I forget which, how I built this episode it was. I think it might have been 
Sarah Blakely from Spanx. Okay. I My could be least wrong. favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I don't own any Spanx. <laughs> I haven't like, worn it since no my way. wedding. I don't even know. There's no way. Um, I think it was her. It might have been someone else. It might have been the Rent the Runway girl. Mm. But someone said that they are essentially informed about what their competition is doing, but they do not obsess about it. That's and a good I way think that it. that is yes. like the best way to sum this up is be informed, try to minimize your blind spots, but do not obsess. Well, and I think a lot of people obsess too. Yeah. Like, and they get very, very, very wrapped up in it. And it's, it's not good for you or your business to get obsessed with what someone else is doing. That's kind of what they want you to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen, there's one tactic that I hate where like, I'll go and follow an account. So say, for example, I go and I follow a puzzle account. This happened. <laughs> and all of a sudden I had like five new puzzle accounts following me because huh. they like went and were keeping track of probably their competitors followers Yes, and then trying to reach out. And I just, I don't like that. No. And I, I think that that is good to follow, like go in and spot check your competitors followers sure. because especially as you're building out your customer maps. Yeah. Um, that is real data. Totally. But yeah, don't fish. Yes. It's like, hey, let them do all the hard work and I'm just going to reap the the rewards from it. No, do your own fucking work. Sorry. <laughs> I get very passionate about this. <laughs> okay. So competitive analysis. Went a little on a tangent there, but that's okay. Um, the next thing I have on mine is a sales and marketing plan. So, you know, once you've outlined your products and your services, like you have to describe how the you're going to price them, the pricing structure. And this is a part people have a really, really hard time with. How much should I charge? It's so hard. <laughs> it it's, is hard. Especially if you are, I think it's even harder when you are building a service-based business totally. that doesn't have a tangible thing yep. with costs associated mm-hmm. with producing it. Um, and you're so wrapped up in like, I mean, you're selling yourself. Yeah. And it is really hard to put a number on it. It is. And, um, you know, you have to put down how much you're going to charge and also the justifications for establishing that price. And well, this is actually another thing that my husband and I were going over last night, which was setting up the pricing uh, list for the barber shop. And, you know, there's all these factors to think about that he's not necessarily thinking about in terms of okay, well, the other barbers are going to pay rent, so it's going to get paid to us, which we're going to have to claim, which is not something he's currently doing mm-hmm. because he doesn't own the shop that he's at. Um, we're also going to have to incorporate credit card fees and all these little things that you really got to look at before you set any firm prices. And my husband was like, well, I want to start, I don't want to scare people away with this high price point, so I want to start here. And I told him, it's so much worse to start with low price points and raise them rather than starting high. It's so much harder to ask for more money. Yes. So much harder. Yeah. So you made a really good point that when you are sitting down to think about what your price is going to be for both a service and or a physical product, you, I think, need to start with listing out what your operational costs are going to be. Yeah. And then all of those costs essentially need to be amortized or spread out Mm -hmm. and included in the price per service or product. Um, So your rent, any type of insurance you need to get, Mm -hmm. 
your software platforms that you pay for on a monthly basis. Those yeah, transaction any fees, like dues and dubs- subscriptions, dues and subscriptions. <laughs> I got it, nailed it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so all of those things need to be rolled into how you're pricing your service. And especially if you're doing this for the first time, you probably will feel uncomfortable with the number that you end up with. Yep. It's going to be higher than you assume because once you factor in all that shit, you're like, oh, if I actually want to make money on this. (laughs) This is what I actually need to charge. So like, you know, even, even as a consultant, I remember when I first started, Mm -hmm. You know, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. <laughs> and I started with an hourly rate of $40 an hour because oh I God. was just trying to, yeah, yeah, legit guys. I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I have learned a lot in five years. So plus, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to have someone who would allow me to be their guinea pig mm. or them to be my guinea pig. Mm-hmm. So, but that was very short lived. Mm-hmm. So I think you should do all this research, come up with the actual number that you need to run a profitable business. And if you are going to have some sort of grace period where you're like testing things out, Mm -hmm. that's cool. But like, don't publish those prices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, when you're doing kind of that market research and then figuring out your ideal clients and your your target audience, when you have those demographics of how much they make how much they're willing to spend on things. Like you want to include that too in your pricing model because if you're targeting 18 to 25 year olds who make, you know, less than $60,000 a year, if that, you can't price something at a high end price point just because that's what's going to make you money. You're going to have to either figure out a way to make your product less expensive or figure out a new market. Yeah, and the other thing that I think is an interesting practice is to... Try to understand how your customer values their time. Totally. Because that is like a big psychological piece in why people end up purchasing goods Mm -hmm. and services is because they think and legitimate, like rightly so, that their time is better spent doing other things. Right. So that's part of that justification of why you can charge this amount of money for X, Y, and Z. Yes, totally making life easier too that was something that we talked about was that the last episode one before i think so yeah about you know if you're gonna charge a lot you better make their life easy as hell do you have a quickbooks water bottle (laughs) (laughs) um i indeed do that's the nerdiest thing i've ever seen and i love it it was swag at the create cultivate I went to a couple years ago. Okay. So good on you cookbooks for creating a very cool copper swell water bottle that I've been carrying around for the last few years. That is so funny. But I also use QuickBooks, so yeah, you know. Yeah. But yes, I do. <laughs> I was just like, Nerd wait alert. a minute. <laughs> is that what I see over there? Yep. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Um. All right. The next part on your business plan I would include is operations, which is where you're going to document how to get the job done in the most efficient way. So what are your routines for your projects? You know, what order are you going to follow from the first time you talk to a client or customer all the way to when they have the final product delivered to them? I've said it many times before. I love documented processes, but I don't say processy. Do you say processy? I think I kind of go back and forth. I always Niche, say documented niche, processes. Processes, yeah. processes. 
I just, I'm not that fancy. No. <laughs> Um, but you know, you want to describe your operations as if you were teaching 5,000 people how to work at your company is the way that I like to think about it. It's so hard to go backwards and try to document things for people that are new because, you know, once people kind of get set in their ways, they might finagle certain processes their own way. But if you have it documented, it just makes life so much easier. So having operations kind of wireframed, I guess, here in the business plan is a really good way to to get that kicked off. Yeah, and essentially what you're doing here is you're building the foundation of your employee handbook. Yes, which I love employee handbooks. Oh. Oh. I love them in theory, not in creation. <laughs> Do you want to hear how nerdy I am? Yes. I made my mom's for her company for fun. Like, That's pretty nerdy. Just a side project yeah. for fun. And it, she has a huge company. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like a 300-page handbook. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, in a previous position, I wrote a lot of how-tos for mm-hmm. new technology features to the mm-hmm. platform. And I think that's what just, like, drained my brain mm-hmm. of, because it's, like, technical writing. Like, yeah. Where you have to come up with pathways of literally click on this, then click on that, then this totally. should happen and all that kind of stuff. So in this part of your process, you don't have to be that crazy no. detailed, but you should understand like the basic chain of, of actions and reactions that need to happen in order for you to create, package, yes. sell and distribute your product. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to put it. Um when you do start getting down to like the nitty gritty of documented processes, which we could always do on a later episode, um, you know, what, the way I like to look at those is if you were hit by a car tomorrow and somebody else had to come in and do your job the next day, they could pick up that piece of paper and do it from start to finish. So. Shit, I got to do this. I know. <laughs> so many people don't do it. And I always say like, do it as soon as you possibly can. Yeah. And keep revising them they are living documents they are stuff that people like okay maybe they'll do it once and that's good but then they forget about it and don't update it as things change so you know you get a c not an a if you yeah. if you don't update them but yeah i love these processes it passes <laughs> but it's not excellent no no and let's face it i'm a teacher's pet overachiever so yes you I are won't, i won't accept that which is what i appreciate about you <laughs> Okay, the last part of my business plan uh, is the part that everyone except maybe me hates the most, which is financial projections. Ah, yes. And I love financial projections. So there's a few different ways to kind of go about this because if you're using your business plan to approach an investor or a bank, you want to establish obviously the amount that you're asking for. Um, the amount that you would require in order to start and maintain your business. But beyond that, you should describe any kind of ongoing business expenses that you anticipate, which you should know now that you've worked out pricing and you've worked out operations. This part should be kind of just fill in the blank, hopefully. Um, But, you know, any expenses, supplies, salaries, professional fees, insurance, all that shit. So the financial projection section should include details about the money that's going out, but you don't want to neglect to mention, obviously, the money that's coming in as well. So you want to have in there projected revenues over certain periods of time, what's your break-even point, all of the kind of stuff that a bank is going to ask you. 
Yes. Um, investors will zero in on this part of any totally. sort of pitch. This mm-hmm. is the only thing that they're concerned about is when do I get my money paid yep. back to me? Yep. And even if you aren't, you know, going after investment, I think this is still a really good practice because you will know whatever money that you've personally put into this, mm-hmm. this is how long you can expect before you've broken even, Yep. then until you can actually start paying yourself. So, you yeah. know, and I think I mentioned in the last episode that... I mean, sorry, not sorry. You probably <laughs> won't pay yourself for the first few years. Right. So um, have th- I think doing this sets that real expectation of when you can start seeing, like, the financial benefits of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, it helps you build and set the right types of goals in totally. order to achieve it. Yeah. And you you kind of want to think of yourself, if you're self-funding your business when you're starting it, think of yourself as the investor that you're pitching to. Investors aren't just going to throw money at your business, you know, willy-nilly. So you want to make sure that you have everything mapped out very clearly and show that you've thought long and hard about how you're going to make your money. Yes. Um, When you're talking about listing out... um all of your expenses do Mm -hmm. you in these projections like do the back of the napkin math somewhere else (laughs) and then just include like here's my total operating expense number i do like an estimated uh an estimated monthly generally Mm -hmm. is what i'll do or a rolling 30 days so i will map it out to the best of my ability and like since i've done this a few times a I <laughs> I have a pretty good idea of what people are going to uh, need mapped out. So QuickBooks has kind of like your basic outline of what would be on your P&L, which is something that you would want to kind of showcase as your expenses in your business uh, plan. So if you haven't signed up for QuickBooks, you can do that and see kind of because they're going to have things that you're not going to think about like bank charges, dues and subscriptions, you know. All the little fine things that add up to eat away at your money. <laughs> totally. They totally eat away at your money. All yeah. of the transaction fees that oh, you yeah. pay when you accept payment online. Yep. Or credit usually, cards. Yeah. It's yep. usually like 3%. Yeah. So work that into your pricing 2.6 plus 10 cents. <laughs> oh, I think we pay like 2.9 plus 30. Oh, we were looking at Square last night for the barbershop and it was 2.6% plus 10% of each transaction. Yeah. So very frustrating. Build that shit into your pricing. (laughs) Or become a cash only business. Or or become cash only business. Archaic, but you know. It works. Um, Okay. Tell me about your business plan. I actually, for those of you, well, actually all of you, no one can actually see what (laughs) we're doing. Um, I pulled up a business plan that I put together for Sourced. And I pretty much have everything that Sam has talked about, plus a a few more things. Um, My approach to this was, like, I need to get this done and Mm -hmm. have something on paper. Mm -hmm. So I did not write novels. (laughs) I don't have that executive summary. I feel like I should have that, though. Didn't we do this? Didn't we do... No, we started talking about your operating agreement 
Yes, we had talked about an operating agreement, which is a whole different Yeah, whole beast. other thing. Let's not even get into Such it. Such a different beast. <laughs> um, which we still, like, we actually don't have, like, a full-blown operating agreement. We just have, an MO, like, a memorandum of understanding uh-huh. that outlines certain sure. things. Because <clears throat> after talking to you and then after talking to a couple lawyer friends of mine, the gist that they had, like, the opinion was... Until the business is making X amount of money, like, to invest thousands of dollars in an operating agreement felt silly. Yeah. So, I'm happy to report that we're probably getting decently close to needing to spend those $2,000. Well, you took your first owner's draw last week. That's very exciting. That was really exciting. So, guys, you can do it. It happens. It happens. It just takes a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're like... What we started working on source, like our first phone call about it was in July of 2017, but then we didn't launch until May 31st of 2018. Oh, wow. So we're just shy of two years, two years. of like being in business. Yeah. So I feel like we made pretty good headway. That's great. In yeah. Less than two years. I mean, that's amazing. So side note, but please be encouraged by that. Yeah. Um, because like I said, I started my consulting business charging $40 an hour and that was a mistake. And now look at you go. (laughs) Um, so this operating agreement is like bulleted points, incomplete sentences and phrases, (laughs) but I started out with mapping out our initiatives for the year because we had already launched. Sure. Um, so it was that, and then we included our core values, mm-hmm. which I think is, I mean, I know you love core values. I do. I love them. And they they really are like the North Star yeah. of a business. So thousand percent. Whether it's just for you or you're including this in something that you're pitching to investors, mm-hmm. even if those investors are like family and friends, right? this is where you can show like, are you the right fit? Yeah. You know, because do you believe these things? Yes. Right? Like, the Koch brothers are not going to invest in Patagonia for a reason. Oh, God. So. Did I ever tell you my mother-in-law gave me a Koch brother book for Christmas? Oh, no. And I was just like. <laughs> I did the guns to the head. Yeah. You couldn't see it. but The sound was her brain yeah. splattering. It was my brain splattering all over the Republican Party. Whoa. Hey. Where are we going with this? Okay. Um, but, yeah. So, I think your core values is a really great thing to include as well as a mission statement. And then I mapped out goals for the current year, the following year, five years out. Mm-hmm. There was a spot for a 10-year goal plan, but I, I actually didn't know what 10 to years put is there. hard. 10 yeah. years is a, like, when I look back at the last five years of my life, mm-hmm. like, totally different. I so mean, I, yeah. So I feel like five years is a good mm-hmm. long-term timeline for goals sure 10 years is like am i even gonna be alive because we're all gonna get sick the coronavirus <laughs> will have wiped us all out by then that or just like the lack of toilet paper and then hepatitis is gonna get us all great what a wonderful <laughs> thought <laughs> guys please don't hoard toilet paper um but i digress but if you do send some to me yeah. <laughs> i legit um just mailed hand wipes to a friend in manhattan because oh gosh. she couldn't get any. Oh, gosh. And I managed to find a few at Vons. So I actually just shipped her. You're a good friend. Some. Yeah. She's someone that also travels for work. Yeah. So I didn't want to leave Yikes. her hanging. But I'm fresh out, guys. Don't DM us asking me to 
<laughs> mail you sanitizing wipes. Um, okay, so another digression. So then addressable <laughs> markets and then products and pricing. Mm. So if you have a, a business that is going to have more than one product or pricing, mm-hmm. um, I definitely think you should include all of those things. One thing that I don't actually see in my own operator or my own business plan that probably would be good is the hard costs of producing mm-hmm. the product. Yes. So that you can map out wholesale mm-hmm. and retail pricing things, you know, lessons that you learn. Yeah. And I think a lot of people learn lessons about retail and wholesale like as they go because I can't tell you how many friends I've had that like will be like, oh my God, I got my first wholesale order. And then be like, holy shit, I made no money. Yeah, you do all (laughs) of the work for half of the money. Yeah. It's really, um, I have a couple friends who like have stopped wholesaling. Yeah. Because it's just not worth the amount of effort that goes into producing the product. Yeah. Unless you have like a very, very low price point for your uh, cost. Yep. Yep. So I think that that is something that's good to add in. Mm-hmm. And then I have a like a medium-sized paragraph that's just about how we're different. Mm-hmm. And it's not, um, it's more like, I'll use the word floofy. Like why floofy? I... Floofy? F- yeah. Okay. Why I feel we're different. Sure. Um, because I kind of drawed... Drawed. Drawed. Is that how you would say it? Nope. I drew a drew. pond. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't make any sense. I drew upon the fact that, like, the team that we put together is very different. Sure. As compared to other businesses. Um, sales plan. Couple terms. Mm. Maybe people would be interested in hearing. Hit me. MRR. Mm-hmm. Um, ARR. Uh-huh. I think those are good. To not freak people out, but let, let them learn a little something. Okay, what are they? So MRR is monthly recurring revenue. Cool. Hard to have unless you have a business that is a subscription-based mm-hmm. business. True. But also really great because it's recurring revenue yeah. that you normally have to win a customer once and then they pay you multiple times without you needing to like really do much more. Right. Um, ARR is just annual recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. So help me, actually, here's an actual question for you. Okay. How is ARR different than like annual revenue? How is, is it? Well, so it's only different if you have multiple things. Like you said, a subscription-based business. Okay. So if you have a subscription-based business, your a- ARR is going to be... Just the subscriptions? Yeah. I'm like, I wanted to say ARP, but that's not right. <laughs> Whoa. Um... It's going to be, well, if all your income is coming from subscriptions, your reoccurring one is going to be exactly the same as your annual revenue. Um, but if you follow a beautiful mess, they have like their beauty boxes and things that are monthly charges, but then they also have like their apps and... Oh, single purchases. Yes. Okay. So that's where that would just differ. Okay. Cool. Taylor... I'll charge you later. I'll send yep. you my invoice yep. Yep. at a later date. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then I think I actually put in a little bit about how we're reaching the goals. Like I know you, you mentioned sales plans, mm-hmm. um, putting in a, an initial, even if it's high level, 
Like, how are you actually going to sell someone? Yeah. And it's related but different to your marketing plan. Yes. So um, take the time to help yourself understand how you're differentiating those things. Well, and here's the thing with these things. No one's going to get it right the first time. This is a plan, right? Plans don't always go the way you think they're going to go. But it's the way that you are framing how you're doing things and how you want to make money, how you want to make your product or service and giving yourself a path forward. So if you do something, you're like, ah, fuck, I don't know anything about setting a pricing model. Figure out as much as you can and go from there. Get help if you need it, but don't feel upset when it's you end up needing to change things. All businesses have to change their business plan. Yeah. I mean, I thought in our first year of business, we would have 100 subscribers. And yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a lot fucking harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I echo that sentiment. <laughs> Another question for you. Would you consider the production plan to be different than the operating Yes, I would. Um, Operating is a little more overview-wise. Like Like the business machine. Yes. So anything that you need to keep the businessing businessing function. Oh, you and I are good (laughs) with the words today. We are so good In my defense, I spilled my coffee this morning, and then to punish myself, I did not have more. Ooh. I know. That is some hardcore disciplinarian action. I know. It's because I go through two bottles of Trader Joe's cold brew a week. Like, exactly. Yep. And so I knew if I didn't, if I poured more, I wouldn't have more later. Yep. And then you'd have to go out to the world. Supply and demand, guys. Supply and demand. (laughs) Um, What was I saying? That production plans are different than operating. So business or operating plans are for the business machine and then production plans are really just like this one piece of it. Yes. Totally. Okay. Um, so your, you know, your operating plan is going to be everything that you need to open the doors, to keep the doors open, kind of like how you would think of like overhead mm, stuff. Mm-hmm. So your HR, you know, like I said, your documented process, all your things like that, your expenses, everything that you need to have just kind of skeletoned yeah. out. Your, the product um, is going to be obviously a lot more detailed and niche to a certain element of the business but it doesn't apply necessarily to the entire business plan Mm -hmm. okay cool um one of the things that I feel like I like I had never been in a product-based business before sure and so that was a whole new Mr. Toad's wild ride yeah for sure and one of the things that I think I mean I overlooked and maybe I'm extrapolating that other people will overlook it as Uh well is that like upfront capital that you need and it's like not just a one lump sum at one time. Right. Right? Like you do that initial push to get your product and then you're selling, but then your inventory becomes low mm-hmm. and you need to replenish, but you haven't like totally sold all the old yes. inventory. So I think that in your production plans, it's good to understand what it costs when you need to re-up and restock on your inventory. Right. And then... On a personal, selfish note, like, know where you're going to store all this shit. Yeah. Because products take up so much space. I was going to say about the um, pricing for things, too. Like, you're saying, you know, you don't want to run out of money and run out of inventory 
when you're setting up your business plan and you're setting up kind of those projected funds that you need to get started, people don't look very far ahead, I think is a common mistake a lot of people do. So think about things like if you're doing a brick and mortar, utilities, like you need six months of utilities up front before you open your business. Like you need to have a cushion Mm -hmm. for every element of the business because like we said, nothing's going to go according to plan. It's just not. And you know, something might end up being way more expensive. So you can pull from this budget and kind of cover it that way, but you don't want to, you know, be left high and dry. Yeah. And one last lesson about production that I learned the hard way is to include overages Mm. for quality control Mm -hmm. because not every piece that you produce is going to be perfect. Right. So that was one of the things that in the long run we were like, oh, fuck, like we only need 200 units Mm -hmm. for to actually restock, but we really need to order like 250 units. Yeah. And then also having a plan on how you're not just, A, creating trash, right? right? (laughs) Don't just throw this stuff away. Figure out a plan for whether it's like running sales and clearances or using it as, um, you know, inventory that you would gift for Mm, people mm -hmm. who like are just wanting to try it out, that kind of stuff. Um, Seconds sales. Second sales. So I think those are all pieces that I underestimated because I just didn't know about it. Yes. And totally. Current me would tell past me to put that in my business plan. And that's why we're here (laughs) to tell you, because if you're launching a product based business, you've never done it before. You might've heard about QA like, but Oh, I have to pay for additional pieces. (laughs) You know, it's like all these funds pop up and, I think that's what a lot of people miss and that is why a lot of people get discouraged and don't make it past that three-year success mark. Yeah. So, but don't let, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're talking about real expenses, um, but these are important things for you guys to know and we're not saying them to <laughs> scare you or discourage you. We're saying them We're just so real, guys. We're just super real and we want you to be as informed as possible Yep. So that you really understand, like, what it takes yeah. to get something off the ground. Because right. I, f- I feel like the, the better informed you are, you know, life can't throw as many monkey wrenches at you. Yeah. And if it, you know, everything that gets thrown at you, you have kind of a, a resource in your pocket to deal with it. Yep. And so with your business plan, I think it's really interesting because you said you did it after you guys launched, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of the people listening already have businesses, so that's going to be the case for them too. Um, the one that I kind of went over is one that I would do starting from scratch. Both are amazing, and <laughs> pat myself on the back there. Uh, <laughs> but I think that if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm already two plus years into my business, I don't have a business plan. Guess what? Still, you still fucking need one. Yeah, you totally need one. If especially if you are not just doing this for fun, right? Like if you want your business to have any sort of longevity, mm-hmm. these are fundamental pieces that you should have, even if they're not perfect. Yes, right. Like nothing needs to be perfect, but do it. Yeah, just do it. Do it. Don't sue us, Nike. <laughs> I was thinking the 
same thing. I was like, uh, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> Copyright. Um, okay, let's move on to an elevator pitch. Unless you had something else nope. on your... Was that the end of your business plan? That's the end of the business okay. plan. So once you have this beautiful business plan mapped out, you can take it because you have your mission, your values, and then now you have like a detailed plan in front of you. You want to make an elevator pitch, which people are like, what the fuck is an elevator pitch? <laughs> it's a conversation, right? Generally an icebreaker because how many times have you been in a room with someone and they say, so what, what do, do you do? do? My, <laughs> my least favorite question. Yep. <laughs> you know, but I think that having this elevator pitch is something that will help you kind of lead to a deeper dialogue. Um, about the functionality and mostly like what makes your business special and what you have to offer. So when I was working at my corporate job, we were very intense about our elevator pitch and like the owner of the company was, he like made us take like a lesson on (laughs) elevator pitches. And then one of the guys, my sweet friend, Jacob, who, um, I had pulled in to work as my assistant because <laughs> I loved him so much. He is an amazing musician. Um, do you know the band Mrs. Magician? No. Oh. I'm not cool. Well, there you mentioned Swami the other day. Um, mm. And so he's on yeah. Swami's record oh, okay. and stuff. So cool. anyways, he wrote a rap oh. for our, so we could memorize our <laughs> elevator pitch. And it was great. <laughs> That's uh, next level. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, you know, in practice, you typically have about 60 seconds or less to leave an impact on somebody who has asked you what you do. You know, you want to make a meaningful impression, obviously, with whoever you come in contact with. So this is your snippet. You basically want to think about it as describing your business from when you get into the elevator to where you get to your floor. Mm -hmm. That's how long you have to pitch your business. Mm -hmm. Do you have an elevator pitch for Sourced? Um, not one that's, like, officially written out, uh-huh. but I know what I, like, what I start riffing off of sure. when someone asks me. Yeah. And so, mine is pretty, I love being succinct. That's yeah. just, like, a part of who I am. So, mine is, is pretty succinct. But, essentially, it's, at SourceCo, we create styled stock photography and video clips for wedding professionals. And the way that we do it is focused around helping these professionals talk about the business of being in the wedding business. Mm-hmm. I like it. Because it's different than other stock photos that are just sure. like keyboards with air plants and macaroons sitting next what? to them. What? Paper clips? And oversized gold paper clips. No! <laughs> Can you hear the condescension in my voice? So, yeah. But see, I knew exactly what you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, with an elevator pitch, yours is great. You know, the, the first and most important thing you want to do is you want to make them care, right? So the very first point in your elevator pitch should be to address a problem right out of the gate. So you want to explain the benefits that your business can offer and then also clearly communicate the concept. So try really, really hard not to be vague or ambiguous when you're doing your elevator pitch. Get to the point. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. yours does that really well. Yeah. And, you know, when people are asked to give elevator speeches, normally everyone's heart rate just like sure. shoots up. Yeah. And so when you are in this like anxious state, mm-hmm. realize that humans tend to ramble. Totally. So... 
fight the urge to use more words than mm-hmm. is necessary. Um, that is something that you need to practice. And it's really, I think, mostly centered around like being reflexive enough to realize when you are yes. in this like, oh, God, what am I going to say? Yeah. Um, but yes, when you feel that way, use fewer words rather than feeling like your security blanket of like just spewing. Totally. Is, that's such a good point. Because yeah. yes, that's exactly what people do. And you also too, you want to leave the jargon out of it because I've heard so many elevator pitches that are like, my company provides integrated solutions for clients worldwide. Cool. What, what? the fuck does that mean? What you is know? an integrated solution? <laughs> Internal language, which so everybody in your company might know what you're talking about, but people... Joe Blow doesn't. No. And you know, I've I need to work on one for Glitter Guide because this is something Taylor and I have talked about a long time because ours is very, it's a unique business. Yeah. And And it's it's like in a period of transition right now. Right. But it's also like my dad doesn't understand what I do. Yeah. Because my dad does not understand social media or technology or blogging or anything like that. So for us, it's kind of like, well, we don't want to dumb it too down for people but also we want to get the point across of what it is that we do in a quick, succinct way. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. It is very tricky. I mean, it's like, um, sorry, I guess nerdy nerd alert here. If you're <laughs> trying to write your SEO description for your website, you yeah. have 160 characters, like the right. length of a tweet mm-hmm. to let Google know exactly what it is you do. And it's Tweets really got doubled. Did you know that? They're more than 160 characters. It used to be 140. And now they're Two 280. Something. Oh I think. shit! Yeah. So you clearly, can... I don't use Twitter. <laughs> I just started using it during the election, but mm. that's fine. Another yeah. story. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. So I know. Interrupted. We won't, you. we won't. We won't turn this into a political podcast. <laughs> I unless, promise. Unless you guys overwhelmingly DM us about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you have so few characters, then it's actually pretty difficult yeah. to do it and so little real estate but it is a very good practice in like not rambling totally and one of the most important things too about your elevator pitch is making sure that you address a pain point and I think a good way to do this is like by utilizing questions um so that helps get them engaged but also addresses the pain point that your company is going to fix essentially yeah I have this I don't remember where this came from. I think it was a consultant, a consulting client, but I have this elevator pitch written out that I like. And it's, so it's like this, you know how most business people use social media for marketing, but most use it pretty poorly. Well, bad social media marketing has all kinds of consequences like sales that don't close, good ideas that get ignored, time wasted, building content that could have been used, developing or executing strategies. My company shows businesses how to use social media to capture those sales, bring attention to those great ideas, and use those wasted hours on more important projects. It's awesome. So it doesn't have to be big, fancy words. Mm-mm. You know, like I think that's where people get kind of tripped up. They want to sound important, that they want to sound professional, and like they know what they're talking about. And you will if you are confident in what you're saying. If you sound like you know and understand what you're saying and you sound like you're not reciting something. Totally. Totally. Yeah. If it sounds uh, mechanical. Yes. Then that's no bueno. Yeah. And I agree with you that I think the most important, like, I think the reason people even ask for elevator pitches is not because they're actually 
curious about what the fuck you do. Yeah. It's because they're trying to poke a hole or like make you nervous. So if you, especially if you're a woman being (laughs) asked by a Mm -hmm. 60 year old white guy in Mm -hmm. an elevator, he is 100% just trying to see if you know your shit. Or get in your pants. Or get in your pants. Just kidding. So if you are in that kind of situation, then the most important thing for you to do is to show them that you are confident and competent mm-hmm. about what your business is yeah. and nothing else. Yeah. Fuck them for all the other reasons. Well, yeah. And it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with the peacocking. Yeah. Like sometimes when people ask for your elevator pitch, it's their way of peacocking mm-hmm. because they're like, well, let's see. Do you really know what you're talking about? And it's just really good to have your elevator pitch in your back pocket at all times because you never know who's going to ask you and who might be like, oh, wow, that sounds like a really good idea. Like, I think I I could get in on that, you know? Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Um, so you just want it to be short. Don't pack too much in. Just give a couple of details, but nothing that can, you know, be internalized. Obviously, it's, like, confidential. Yeah. You know, you don't want to do anything like, hey, I'm going to tell you this secret. But you want to explain your expertise um, and why you're best suited for the whole execution and a you know, a general overview. Yeah. And one of the other things that I also like to quote unquote practice along with the elevator pitch, this is your friendly PR professional (laughs) saying this, is what are the, what are the questions that someone is most likely to respond with? Sure. Um, Knowing those actually in the long run helps you identify the gaps of your elevator pitch, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're just consistently getting asked the same question, same follow-up question, you're not telling them something important right out the gate. Yes. But then also knowing like what the hard question Mm -hmm. or questions that someone might ask, like the one, like with SourceCo, we get asked, the hard question is like, well, how is using stock photography, like not essentially lying about your work? Mm. And I have an answer for that. People can ask me that question, and I don't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Again, so when you're trying to build confidence and show competency, when you have practiced those hard questions, just like you've practiced your elevator pitch, I think that you have really done yourself a favor in building this really great reputation. Yeah, that is such a good point. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I also just watched the Hillary documentary, so I'm all about, like, spin. Let's, oh, did how you? How do we spin Interesting. These, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been debating if I want to watch that or not. I cried. Did you? Yeah, at the end when she came back out and, um, they showed clips of her concession speech. Mm-hmm. That legit was, I've never cried so hard in real life when wow. it actually happened. I'm very lucky that I've not had, like, I've not had to deal with death. Mm. So that was, yeah, I bawled when wow. it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And then watching it again kind of like took the lid off of Aww. the the box. I was just sitting there weeping. I wasn't like a hot mess like I was like the past three years four ago. Four years. Yeah. But it's good. <laughs> um but I mean I I like watching um political strategists and PR professionals who work in politics mm-hmm. because it does like there are a lot of lessons to learn about how to quickly pivot yeah. your answer and react and respond. Yes. So, Nobody can spin shit like a political strategist. Yeah. And like, you know, wow. like putting spin on it doesn't mean like putting bullshit on it. No. But like changing the perspective. Yep. Yeah. So um which is a controlling your narrative. Controlling your narrative, which puts power back in your side uh-huh. of the court. So I think that that is 
especially if we're talking about when you're getting like poked at by someone who's like semi-intentionally trying to um, bring you down a little bit. Yeah. Whatever you can do to put power back on your side is really great. Which is not all people who ask for your elevator no, pitch. No, no, no. We're not saying that. But, but we all know there what are it feels few. like to yes. be in a room with totally. that person. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Real quick. Let's talk about intellectual property. Yes. Just to kind of close this out. So one of the things a lot of people ask is, do I need a copyright or a trademark prior to my launch? And those are really hard. <laughs> like yeah. copyrights and trademarks and patents are like this whole different beast that people don't think about until it's A, either too late or, you know, B, they can't afford to file for the copyright. It's not cheap. No, it's not cheap. Um, so, you know, the first thing I always suggest you do is to do a Google search on the keywords that are associated with your product. And we kind of talked about this last time um, when we were talking about SEO. So if you're starting a product-based business, say you're going to start selling candles, right? You want to start Googling organic. Are there organic candles? I don't know. Uh, maybe made with organic beeswax? I don't know. I don't know. Where are our candle yeah. makers at? Where are you at? <laughs> Um, you know, just Google the words that you would have in your own SEO practice and see kind of what pops up just, and this goes back a little bit too, into that competitive and market analysis. Um, do it for a service-based business too, you know, focus on your geography. So like San Diego florist, things like that. Um, and use that kind of information and those keywords to help you see what the field is kind of looking like and where you might necessarily have gaps or changes that you need to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the trademark thing, that's a really tough one mm-hmm. because, like, the Source Code styling blocks, we launched those, I'm not even shitting you, seven days after another company did. Oh, God. Which, that means, like... We just both had this idea at the same time. Yeah. Had no fucking clue about the other company. Mm-hmm. And I I still don't think anybody has trademarked the phrase styling blocks. And I feel very vulnerable saying this out oh, loud. Oh, I know. Very you're, vulnerable. You're putting a lot of trust in our listeners. Yes. Please don't fuck me. <laughs> if we know that this gets trademarked in the next week, we're going to be pissed, yeah, you guys. so pissed. <laughs> um, but trademarks are expensive. And that's yes. one of the things, like... Actually, we need to go back and revisit it because we we can afford it now. Mm-hmm. But when we launched this product, it was a pretty significant investment. And, like, the advice we were getting was 50-50. Mm-hmm. Do it. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, shit. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, it's it really is a hard decision to make. And there's also, like, different elements of it. Like, Okay, well, do I want to copyright my company name? Yeah, do I want to trademark this? Do I want to get a patent for this product that I'm creating? And all of those things are different. Mm-hmm. And they require different processes to finish. And it's just something that I really highly recommend looking into before you do anything. Mm-hmm. Before you start sharing your shit on social media, look into it. See if you need to get a copyright or patent or whatever because I've seen it happen before. I don't think it happened with you because it was so close, but I've seen it happen where someone will talk about something that they're starting and that they're going to launch and then a bigger company with more means and more resources comes in and does it first. Yep. yep. So 
just keep shit close to the vest as as close as yeah. much as you can until you're sure that it's it's good Actually to go. Happening, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can also always do a search online. Uh, it's the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. I'll put the website in the show notes so you can go look and search your keywords. Search there. See, did somebody already make this? Is somebody already using this name elsewhere? You know, but. If nothing comes up and you want to get a patent for your idea or your product, hire a patent lawyer. If you're going to go through the process of doing all of this, invest in the patent lawyer. Yeah, because I wouldn't even know where to start with the patent stuff. It's hard. It's it's very specific. Like mm-hmm. That's why there's a lawyer specifically dedicated yeah. to patents. You yeah. know if there's a lawyer? <laughs> that is complicated. Yes. Um. There's no business plan lawyer. No. You know, there's business lawyers and there's lawyers and attorneys for all different types of things. And that means because it's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> and you need someone who's an expert in it. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in it. I have very surface level knowledge of how to do it. I've done it. It's a huge pain in the ass. It costs a lot of money. But I've also seen it. Where people don't do it and it comes back and bites them in the ass later. And you can patent a process. You can. Yes. That's why the whole patent pending thing too. Like, yeah. So it's like patents are not always hard, like tangible things. Right. Right. Yes. Most of the time it is truly intellectual property. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's the thing with intellectual property. It is so hard to define what you can copyright when it's something like that, you know, like for artists and things. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you just really want to do your research and see what you can cover the most, you know, like cover your ass as much as you possibly can. You'll be grateful you did it later down the line. When you don't have to change your entire business model and or business name. Yeah. I've seen people who've had to completely rebrand because somebody swooped in and was like, Hey, my name is, copyrighted with these two words that are in your business name it's not the same but they've got the copyright on the phrase and they've got to like suddenly you got to redo your website you got to redo this all of your brand familiarity is gone yeah no it's gonna cost way more i need to do that with my consulting business name Mm -hmm. because they're actually there's a clothing company oh that like uses tailored the same way okay and then there's another consult like a graphic design it's too boys that Mm. their Instagram has not been posted on in years. (laughs) But I'm still like, well, shit, like, other people have used this combination of letters in their business names. Yeah. So this is a little bit of, like, a... This is a good reminder because (laughs) I get complacent because I get lazy with this, right? Right. Like, just like a lot of people, I get lazy with wanting to actually go through all of the steps. I get lazy with wanting to spend the money. Mm-hmm. And I've convinced myself that everything's okay when really maybe I should like be a little bit more concerned about that yeah. one spot. It's like at any time someone could pull the rug out from underneath you and yeah. fuck up your whole day. And that's poo-poo. <laughs> um, so even if you think it doesn't apply to you, I highly suggest just looking into it. Just to make me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel great. Yes, let's send all the traffic to that uh, patent office website. Crash the <laughs> site. Break the internet. <laughs> all right. That was a lot. 
and it was good. Yes, and you guys have a decent amount of homework <sighs> for the next two weeks. Time to get working on that business plan, which will be one of the biggest parts of this whole series. Yes. Like, undoubtedly. So don't get overwhelmed and be like, okay, I gotta turn this off. I don't have time for this shit. No. You have time for it. You, you can totally do it. You have time for it. And once it's done, it's done. Right. And then you can treat yourself to something yes. for your efforts. Treat yourself to some hand sanitizer and toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> the world we live in right now, guys, is so weird. Oh, I love the wash your hands. Did I tell you that? Was I telling you? The jalapeno joke? Did I already say it already? Yep. Good Lord, I need more coffee. Yeah. Oh, man. Someone, someone send Sam some coffee. <laughs> I don't want to leave my house and get it. (laughs) All right. So we'll be back for the next portion of this series, which will be infrastructure. Um, And that's going to be a lot. I think you're going to have a lot of really great stuff to share with that one. I'm really excited about that one. Yeah. I think that's going to be good. And then if we have time next week too, we'll get into that product and production schedule. So if you're a product-based business, next week is going to be extra important for you. Yep. But also important for everybody. Um, we will put the show notes up on prettyokpodcast.com. And if you have any questions on today, you can always email us, send us a DM, and we will help you. And other than that, we will be back in a couple weeks. I will try my damnedest to be back next week with a mini sound. I'm 98% sure I will, but you know. Leave that buffer in there. Yeah. Little humans. (laughs) Yes. Complicate life. Yeah. So we will talk to you guys soon. Have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye.